Welcome to Zikru Daf Simanim. I'm Rabbi Yerbam Goldar, and there Masechus Baba Kama Daf Pei Hey, the eighth parak of Chovel. So the three daps we're going to focus on. Number one, the Gemara asks how to evaluate Sar B'makam Nezek, pain where there's permanent damage. And Rashi explains that since he has paid for the victim's hand, for example, he, so to speak, acquired the right to cut it off, irrespective of the pain it causes. Shmuel's father said we assess how much money a person would demand to agree to have his hand cut off. The Gemara objects to this because it would include all five payments, and no one would accept such an agreement, and clarifies that he refers to cutting off a useless hand. This is also rejected because it would still include boshas for the embarrassment of taking and throwing his limb to the dogs. The Gemara ultimately explains, Omdin Kama Adam Rotsaliten, we assess how much a person wants to give to have his hand, which is inscribed to the government for amputation, cut off, being some, regarding the difference in pain between amputation by potion, which is painless, and by sword. Point number two is taught in the Braisa, all about smachim machmasamaka. If sores develop because of the wound, the nisra maka, or if the wound healed and later returned, the Tanakhama says he must pay for his healing as well as his unemployment if the sores disabled him from working. Rita says he pays for ripui, but not Shevas. The Chami say the Torah links Shevas and ripui to teach that only one who pays for unemployment must pay for healing. And anyone who is not obligated for unemployment is not obligated for healing. Rabba ultimately explains that all agree that permission is given to bandage a wound, and the assailant is liable for any resulting sores. But, it is not given for excessive bandaging, where the resulting sores are partially the victim's negligence. Rabbi Yudol said he pays for healing because the Torah repeated the word to require a novel payment, but not unemployment. The Tanakhama holds that the linking of the two payments teaches that he even pays unemployment, just like he pays for healing. The final opinion holds that just as unemployment is not paid, healing is also not paid. They hold the repeated healing in the Pusik teaches that permission is given to a physician to heal. And pointing with you, Robert said that if one cut off someone's hand, he pays its value, and the unemployment is assessed as a shomer kashuim, a watchman of cucumbers. If he then damages his foot, he pays for it, and the unemployment is assessed as a dormant since he can't walk. If he blinded someone, he pays the eye's value, and the unemployment is that of grinding at a millstone. If he made someone deaf, he pays his full value and no unemployment because he cannot do any work. Rava asked, if someone successfully inflicted all the above injuries on someone, but no assessment for payment was made until the end, do we make one single assessment, obligating his full value, or is each injury assessed independently? The Nafkamina pertains to Tsar and Boshas, which he experienced for each injury. On the other hand, since his entire value was paid for becoming deaf, perhaps he can no longer claim these payments. Rava asked further, assuming a single assessment would be made in the previous case, what if an assessment was made after each injury, but no payment was made until the end? The question is left unresolved. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gemara asks how to evaluate Tsar B'makmnezek, pain where there's permanent damage. And Rashi explains that since he has paid for the victim's hand, for example, he, so to speak, acquired the right to cut it off, irrespective of the pain it causes. The Gemara asks how to evaluate Tsar B'makmnezek, pain where there's permanent damage. And Rashi explains that since he has paid for the victim's hand, for example, he, so to speak, acquired the right to cut it off, irrespective of the pain it causes. Shmuel's father said we assess how much money a person would demand to agree to have his hand cut off. The Gemara objects to this because it would include all five payments and no one would accept such an agreement and clarifies that he refers to cutting off a useless hand. 
This is also rejected because it would still include Boshas for the embarrassment of taking and throwing his limb to the dogs. The Gemara ultimately explains, Omdim Kama Adam Rotsaliten. We assess how much a person wants to give to have his hand, which is inscribed to the government for amputation, cut off, being signed for some, regarding the difference in pain between amputation by potion, which is painless, and by sword. If sores develop because of the wound, the nisra or if the wound healed and later returned, the Tanakhama says he must pay for his healing as well as his unemployment if the sores disabled him from working. Riyuda says he pays for ripui, but not shevas. The Chami say the Torah links shevas and ripui to teach that only one who pays for unemployment must pay for healing, and anyone who is not obligated for unemployment is not obligated for healing. Rabbah ultimately explains that all agree that permission is given to bandage a wound, and the assailant is liable for any resulting sores. But, it is not given for excessive bandaging, where the resulting sores are partially the victim's negligence. Rabbi Yudah holds that he pays for healing because the Torah repeated the word to require a novel payment, but not unemployment. The Tanakhama holds that the linking of the two payments teaches that he even pays unemployment, just like he pays for healing. The final opinion holds that just as unemployment is not paid, healing is also not paid. They hold the repeated healing in the Pusik teaches that permission is given to a physician to heal. And pointing with you, Rabbi said that if one cut off someone's hand, he pays its value and the unemployment is assessed as a Shomer Kashuim, a watchman of cucumbers. If he then damages foot, he pays for it and the unemployment is assessed as a dormant since he can't walk. If he blinded someone, he pays the eye's value and the unemployment is that of grinding at a millstone. If he made someone deaf, he pays his full value, and no unemployment because he cannot do any work. Rava asked, if someone successfully inflicted all the above injuries on someone, but no assessment for payment was made until the end, do we make one single assessment, obligating his full value, or is each injury assessed independently? The Nafkamina pertains to Tsar and Boshas, which he experienced for each injury. On the other hand, since his entire value was paid for becoming deaf, perhaps he can no longer claim these payments. Rava asked further, assuming a single assessment would be made in the previous case, what if an assessment was made after each injury, but no payment was made until the end? The question is left unresolved. All right, so now we go to Simmer Pehe, and our standard Simmer relates to a peh, a mouth, and we use a dentist for the Simmer. So here goes. The poor dentist who got injured in his hand and was trying to evaluate Tsar by assessing what he would give to have it amputated by painless potion versus a sword, noticed sores developed because of his excessive bandaging, still entitling him to Ripu and Chavez, but only unemployment assess as a Shomer Kashuim. So once again, so once again in slow motion. The poor dentist, dentist, that must be more enough. Pay hey. The poor dentist who got injured in his hand and was trying to evaluate Tsar by assessing how much he would give to have it amputated by a painless potion versus a sword, which reminds us the Gemara is how to evaluate Tsar by Magomnezek pain where there's permanent damage. The Gemara ultimately explains we assess how much a person wants to give to have his hand, which is inscribed to the government for amputation, cut off regarding the difference in pain between the amputation by a potion, which is painless, and by sword. So the poor dentist who got injured in his hand and was trying to evaluate Tsar by assessing how much he would give to have it amputated by a painless potion 
versus a sword. Notice swords developed because of his excessive bandaging, still entitling him to Ripuin Chavis, which reminds us, Rava explains that all agree that permission is given to bandage a wound, and the assailant is liable for any resulting sores. But, well, Nitno Egad Yasser, it's not given for excessive bandaging, where the resulting sores are partially the victim's negligence. Repito holds that he pays for him because the repeated word Rapo Yurape to require a novel payment, but not an appointment. The Tanakama holds the linking of the two payments teaches that he even pays unemployment, just like he pays for healing. So the poor dentist who got injured in his hand was trying to evaluate Tsar by assessing how much he would give to have it amputated by a painless potion versus a sword. Noticed sores developed because of his excessive bandaging, still entitling him to Ripu and Chavez, but only unemployment assessed as a Shomer Kashuim, which reminds us, Rav said that if one cut off someone's hand, he pays its value and the unemployment is assessed as a Shomer Kashuim, a watchman of cucumbers. If he then damages foot, he pays for it, and the unemployment is assessed as a doorman, as he cannot walk. If he blinded someone, he pays the eye's value, and the unemployment is that of grinding at a millstone. If he made someone deaf, he pays his full value, and no unemployment because he can't do any work. Rava asks if someone successfully inflicted all these injuries on someone, but no assessment for payment was made until the end, do we make one single assessment, obligating his full value, or is each injury assessed independently? So once again, the poor dentist who got injured in his hand and was trying to evaluate Tsar by assessing how much he would give to have it amputated by a painless potion versus a sword, noticed sores developed because of his excessive bandaging, still entitling him to Ripu and Chavez, but only unemployment assessed as a Shomer Kashuim. All right, so now it's time for Four Bob Bachazara. Daf Pei Of. So the Simon Daf Pei Of is a grandpa. So here goes. The grandpa, grandpa, that must mean we're on Daf Pei Of. The grandpa posting a sign with ten conditions for when his grandchildren divide his property, which reminds us it was taught in Abraisa Asar Tanaim Hisna Yeshua. Yeshua stipulated ten conditions with Kal Yisrael when dividing Eretz Yisrael and then goes on to list them. So the grandpa posting a sign with ten conditions for when his grandchildren divide his property, who saw two great rabbis walk along the side of his field to avoid the obstacles on Bavel Street, which reminds us, the Gemara relates that Shmuel and Rabbi Yehuda were walking on the road in Bavel, and Shmuel turned to the side of the road to avoid the obstacles in the road. Rabbi Yehuda asked if Yeshua's conditions apply in Bavel, and Shmuel replied, Shani Omer, Afil Yes, because I say they apply even abroad, and certainly in Bavel. So the grandpa posting a sign with ten conditions for when his grandchildren divide his property, who saw two great rabbis walk along the side of his field to avoid the obstacles on Bavel Street, didn't realize that one of his grandkids had gotten lost in the vineyard until the kid cut his way through and appeared, which reminds us, a bright illustrates Yeshua's ninth condition. Manu sees his friend, lost among the vineyards, should cut his way through up and down until he reaches the city or the road. And so it is when he himself is lost among the vineyards. So the similar Dav Pei Base is peanut butter. So here goes. During the Monday morning, Kriya tour on the peanut farm, peanut farm, that must be on Daf Pei Base, peanut butter. During the Monday morning, Kriya tour on the peanut farm, as the Pasuk about the Yid not finding water for three days was read, which reminds us, the Gemara lists ten Takanas which Ezra enacted, one of which is, V'korn B'Shenu B'Chamishi. They read from the Torah Monday and Thursday. The Gemara said this was instituted much earlier when the Jews were traveling in the desert. The Pasuk says they went for three days, but did not find water. And this is darshaned in Mayim El Torah. Water is only intended to refer to Torah. So why then is it referred to as Ezra's enactment? 
The Gemara answers that the original enactment only required one person reading three psukim, or three people reading three, corresponding to the three groups of Jews, Kohanim, Levim, and Yisraelim. Ezra instituted that three people read a total of ten psukim, corresponding to the Asar Batanim, the ten unoccupied men of the city. So, during the Monday morning Kriyasator on the peanut farm, as the Pasuk about the Yid not finding water for three days was read, a man barged in and said that his wife got peanut butter stuck in her hair and was having a hard time combing it out, which reminds us, Ezra's eighth takana was, Shetei that a woman shall comb her hair to remove any chatzitza and then immerse herself in the mikvah. The Gemara said this requirement is a derisa and answers that derisa one would only be required to examine the hair, for perhaps it's knotted or somewhat dirty, thereby invalidating the tefillah because of a chatzitza. Ezra Institute that women comb their hair to ensure that there's no chatzitza. So, during the Monday morning Kriyasator on the peanut farm, as the Pasuk about the Yid not finding water for three days was read, a man barged in and said that his wife got peanut butter stuck in her hair and was having a hard time combing it out, and said he noticed a pig in a peanut sack hanging on a rope on the outside wall, which reminds us, the Mishnah Daf Ein Tes Amabay stated, One may not raise swine anywhere. This is based on the incident when Hyrcanus was besieging his brother Astaboas in Yushalayim, when the besiegers put a swine into the basket that was meant for the land that would be used for the daily avoda, and it stuck its hooves into the wall, and Eretz Yisrael shook. 400 parsa. At that time, they declared, Cursed is the man who raises swine. Daf Pei Gimel, so the similar Daf Pei Gimel is a pogo stick. So here goes. The boy in the pogo stick, pogo stick, that must be on Daf Pei Gimel. The boy in the pogo stick being chased by a dog, which reminds us, the Mishan Daf Ein Tesamabe stated, One may not raise a dog unless it's bound with chains. Bryce adds that one may raise a dog near the border of a neighboring nation for protection and should tie it up by day and release it by night. Moyezer Agado said, One who raises dogs is like one who raises pigs and is included in the rabbi's curse for raising swine. So the boy in the pogo stick being chased by a dog jumped past the Chamisha Dvarim basin, which reminds us, the eighth paragraph begins, One who wounds his fellow, can be liable on his account for five things, Benezek, damage, sar, pain, repui, healing, sheves, unemployment, and Boshes, humiliation. The Mishnah elaborates on each one. So the boy in the pogo stick being chased by a dog jumped past the Chamisha Dvarim Basin, where a man who was assaulted and lost his eye walked out with cash compensation, which reminds us the Gemara brings sources that Ein Tachas Ein, eye for eye, means monetary payment. Daf Pei Dalad. So the similar Daf Pei Dalad is a launch pad, and we often use a rocket ship. So here goes. The man in his rocket ship, rocket ship, that must mean we're on Daf Pei Dalad. The man in his rocket ship he bought with the monetary compensation he was awarded for losing his eye, which reminds us the Gemara brings three more sources that Ein Tachas Ein means monetary compensation. One of the sources is the Torah says regarding Eim Zomim, Yad Biyad, a hand for a hand, which the Gemara explains as extra teaching, something which is given from hand to hand, meaning money. So the man in his rocket ship he bought with the monetary compensation he was awarded for losing his eye, which he named Yad Bayad, about to find a Bible to collect more compensation for regal damages, which are common and involve a monetary loss, which reminds us a monetary collection is only made in Bavo, but most of the Shri in a manner which is common and also involves a monetary loss, such as a loan dispute. Therefore, when a person injures another, which is uncommon, 
damages are not collected. Boshas, humiliation, is not collected because it doesn't involve a monetary loss. Although Rav has said that we collect damages one ox inflicts on another, we do not for a karen of a tum, which is a kanas, and a muad is an uncommon occurrence in Bavo. Rather, he is referring to damages under the categories of shane and regal, the muadim and chilasinu, where they are considered muadim from the beginning. So the man in his rocket should be bought with the monetary compensation he was awarded for losing his eye, which he named Yad Bayad, about to fight a Bavo to collect more compensation for regal damages, which are common and involve a monetary loss, was approached by a man who said he owed him money for the pain he caused when the rocket ship's flames burned his fingernail. Which reminds the brings him on because whether one pays for its tsar and shalubamakamnezek, pain without damage, such as burning someone's fingernail. All right, so now it's time to conclude our pop quiz of 10 questions. Number one. Which stuff do we discuss the difference between a guzzlin and a gunov, and why a gunov pays kefal and all the hay? That's on duff. Iron test. Good number two. Which stuff do we discuss how to evaluate sarbamakamanezik, and the assessment is based on how much a person would pay for a painless potion versus a sword to cut off his hand? That's on duff. Pay hay. Good number three. Which stuff do we have mochok is whether one pays for tsar shulbamakamnezik, pain without damage, such as burning someone's fingernail? That's on dove. Paid out. Good number four. Which stuff do we learn that a door which is closed will not quickly be open, referring to someone who is preventing from getting smicha? That's on dove. Good number five. Which of them the decree not to raise swine in Eretz Yisrael is based on the incident with Hyrcanus and the besiegers putting a pig in the basket instead of the lamb for the avoda? That's on Duff. Pay base. Good number six. Which of them the compensation one receives for sores that develop under his bandages? That's on Duff. Pay hey. Good number seven. Which of them about Yehoshua's ten to nine for dividing the land? That's on Duff. Hey, all. Good number eight. Which stuff does Gamor discuss the issue of raising dogs in Eretz Yisrael? That's on Duff. Pay Gimel. Good number nine. Which is about three additional sources that Ein Taches Ein refers to monetary compensation? That's on Duff. Paid out. Good. And number 10. Which stuff do you discuss how to assess Shevis unemployment and that if someone loses his hand, he's paid as if he were a Shomer Kishuim, a cucumber watcher? That's on Duff. Hey, hey, excellent. That comes today's share. This is Rabbi Ram Goldhart from Zichru wishing you a great day and great learning.